Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we hear from Englishman Scott Gregory on his amateur success and the ups and downs of pro life. Hi, I'm Nick Doherty and you're listening to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast. Hello everyone, Elliot Heath here for the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast. Hope you're all safe and well. Today we have a special episode for you with Scott Gregory, the English pro. Uh, Scott won the 2016 Amateur Championship, turned pro in 2017 after the Walker Cup. And since then he's had a bit of an up and down journey, struggles with injury, struggles with losing his card... Of course, he shot 92 in the 2018 US Open. So we spoke about a lot of things, starting from the bottom, really, how he got into golf, his amateur championship win. He beat Robert McIntyre in the final there. Then that qualified him for the 2016 Open at Troon. He was leading there after about 10 holes, went on to miss the cut. He's played in four majors so far in his career. He's yet to make a cut, but I was really interested to hear what he's learned from playing in those majors and... Uh, I just found him quite an inspiring guy, really. He he says quite early on in the interview that perhaps he wasn't the most talented, but he he really does sound like he worked very, very hard to get to where he is. And there's an interesting parallel with McIntyre, who beat in the uh, amateur championship. And I liked how Scott kind of said McIntyre has just... Um, reach that level before he has so I think when you listen to this interview you'll believe that Scott believes that he'll he'll get to the top or you know get to compete quite well on the European tour so um yeah I think it was a really fun interview to do really good to hear from Scott I know a lot of you might not know a massive deal about him but I think quite a lot of you will be supporting him after listening to this um so yeah, I hope you enjoy that. Just one thing to note as well, our new issue came out last week on Thursday. Ricky Fowler's the cover star and we've got an exclusive interview with him. At the moment there is a ridiculous offer on three magazines for £5. So if you go to www.golfmonthlysubs.co.uk forward slash podcast, that's where you can get that deal. They're normally four ninety nine for one issue, so that is a very good deal. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you do listen over there and subscribe on your usual platform. Golf Monthly website is firing out lots of content, helping you get your golf fix during this difficult time. And you can follow us on social media at Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook and at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram. Right, let's get into the interview with Scott Gregory. Enjoy, everyone. Hi, Scott. Thanks for joining the podcast this week. Firstly, let's start with your recent professional win on the Clutch Pro Tour. Probably going to be the last professional win for some time, I'd imagine. What was that like? Um, yeah, it was really good. I mean, I played nicely all day, kind of gave myself chances on pretty much every hole out there. So that's all you can ask for, really. And um, like you say, it kind of doesn't look like we're going to be playing much for the rest of the year, if if at all, really. You won £10,000 for that. That must be quite nice, especially with what's going on in the world at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I say, it is kind of probably going to have basically a year without any sort of guaranteed income, really. So to get that that win under my belt and a bit of money in the bank is giving me a bit more stability going forward and a bit more comfort, really, because um, obviously the government have done the self-employed schemes and stuff, but I haven't really looked into if that can help sports people or not. So, yeah, it's definitely going to help. Yeah, so how are you coping without golf and your your job? Um, hard. <laughs> it's tricky, really. I mean, I'm obviously used to uh, practicing every day and just love playing golf, really. So I've got a little setup at home. I can put in the front room and I've got a net outside in the garden. So I'm able to keep the swing going. But it, it's it's not the same as getting out there and playing with your friends and having little money matches and obviously competing because that's the main thing that I love and a lot of golfers love is being out there competing and trying to get wins. Yeah, so are you on the Challenge Tour at the moment? Yeah. Have you heard anything from them? Have they been in contact with their members? Um, A little bit. It, it's kind of tricky, really, because no one really knows what the global situation is going to be going forward. So they're doing their best. A few events have 
kind of move later in the season. Um, so hopefully we get to play, but we've had nothing to say that it's going to be called off or anything. I think basically it's play it by ear, see how it goes and make a call when they have to make a call, really. Yeah. So um, have you got a caddy as well, like a full-time caddy? Um, no, I did last year, but on, on main tour, but challenge tour, I'm just going to kind of do it myself, really, and go from there. I mean, uh, playing elite amateur golf, I, I got in a good routine of kind of doing everything myself. So I've got good experience doing that. So I'm going to make the most of doing that for a while, really. Oh, so at least that's good. You don't have to financially help a caddy out. Like I'm sure a lot of the world's golfers are doing. Um, yeah. Right. So let's start just like talking about how you got into golf. So you grew up around the Portsmouth area. Um, where did you start playing? Um, yeah, so I grew up just outside of Portsmouth and started playing, basically, my dad took me down the driving range with him to Portsmouth Golf Centre, which is still where I do a lot of my practice. Um, so I started off hitting balls there, kind of fell in love with it and started playing pitch and putts and learning how to chip and putt in the short game and things like that, and then progressed up onto onto golf courses. So my first golf course I joined was um, Portsmouth Golf Club, which is where a lot of local guys in the area started. Um, then Waterlooville, and now I'm at Corehampton, and it's it's gone from there, really, just a, a build-up of working hard and putting everything into it. So what age did you start? Um, I probably started around four or five years old. Wow. So when did the dream of being a pro sort of come into your like viewpoint? Um, probably when I was around nine or ten I guess we we used to go and watch it used to be called the Benson and Hedges at I think it was the Belfry um we went up there and watched um Matt Blackie who was obviously from Halen Island um and then from then on it was kind of one of those things that I'd always wanted to do and a massive fan of Tiger as well so a big inspiration from that so when did you know that you were you were very good um it's hard to say, really, because I, I wouldn't say I was necessarily the best junior golfer. I was probably the one who worked the hardest to get better, but I probably didn't really get to the stage where it was like, okay, I could actually I could actually very easily do this until I was maybe 17, 18. Um, started working with Simon Andrews on my swing and made some good changes, and then from then on, it's just been a progression every year. So probably since that kind of age I, I knew that I had the game to be able to do it. So you say like working hard there was that every day after school all throughout the summer holidays on the weekends practicing your putting chipping? Yeah everything just every every hour I had that I wasn't at school or in the gym I was I was practicing my golf really and from sun up to sundown and yeah. to be fair still even now that's exactly what I do so it's I haven't lost the the will to work hard and achieve what I want to achieve in the game. So would you say that you had, there were more talented players around you that perhaps didn't work as hard as you and, I don't know, found women and alcohol and got a bit sidetracked from the game? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that's true with a lot of guys that are on tour, probably potentially not the most talented, but just worked hard and believed in their own ability and went from there and you'll see a lot of it it's a lot of kids that are 13 14 and some of the best in the country when it comes to men's golf and they're turning 19 20 they just kind of fall off and it, it's quite common and there is a lot of distractions but if you if you do really want it you just keep working yeah so uh what was your lowest handicap um i got down to plus five for wow maybe a week <laughs> yeah and then, yeah, went back up and I actually played, the, before turning pro, I played the Walker Cup and then played a club competition the week after to try and get to plus five again. And I didn't get back to plus five, so I turned pro off plus four. Wow. So, sorry, you turned pro at the age of 21? Was uh, it 22? 2017, which would have been 22. Right. So you're, you're off plus five at the age of like 21 or something. When did you first get to scratch? Yeah. Uh, I was scratch at 16. Nice. Scott, so and that's I, a 
massive progression from then on. Yeah, and to be fair, I went backwards for, from kind of 16 to 17. I think I went up to one or two, and that's when I started working with Simon and kind of took my game to a different level, really. Yeah, so you, you didn't go to US Golf College either, did you? You turned pro after the Walker Cup quite early. Yeah, yeah I, stayed at, I stayed in the UK. I worked in um, American golf for a bit and then worked at Portsmouth Golf Centre a few days a week until I won the British Amateur and then... Since then, I've just played golf all the time. So you actually worked in an American golf shop? Yeah. Yeah, I worked uh, there for a year or two. Cool. What was that like? Um, it was okay, to be fair. I mean, I, I got a chance to hit balls in the net in the store and meet loads of people. I, I, retail's not the thing I ever want to do again, but it's it was just a way to keep, keep the funds up to keep playing golf. So... That was all I was looking at it at, really. So, did would you say you came from like a, a uh, sort of working middle class background? You weren't, you know, fu- easily funded from your family. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my dad's an engineer, my mum's a nurse, um, so just a normal family, really. And they done everything they could to make sure that I could keep playing and compete as much as I can. But obviously. When it comes to traveling around the world and things like that, that's a that's a huge amount of money, and that's why I was working in a golf shop so I could fund at least some of it myself. What was it like winning the amateur championship in 2016 at Fourth Call? Uh, yeah, it was incredible. I mean, I, I had a good feeling the whole week. I just just got a new putter, um, which I still use now, and really it felt really good on the greens. Um, so just kind of went from there I had a really good week with short game didn't hit it as good as I've hit it in previous tournaments or anything like that but just kind of made the most out of what I had and got a few lucky breaks which you have to get the win um the first match I had a the guy who I played I forget his name but I hit a bit of an iffy tee shot down 18 and he hit one out of bounds so that was Again, just one of those things that, that happens the weeks you win. So just took it one step at a time and then had a great match against Bob McIntyre in the final. Yeah, very up and down. I was um, reading about that earlier. So the amateur championship, if people don't know, is 36 whole stroke players it? And then how many rounds after that? Uh, yeah, it's 36 whole stroke play. Um, you play, it's at two courses. So you play 18 at one, 18 at the other. So we played Parlin Kempfig and Royal Porthcore. And then top 64 go through to the match play. So it's six more six more yeah. rounds after that. So an absolute slog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lot of golf. And it, it's one of the, you kind of want to be, if you can win your early matches early kind of thing and reserve some energy, because if you make the final you're playing a lot of golf and if you can manage to play 20 holes less than the other guy you've got a, you're in a better place really yeah, so you didn't know bob mcintyre before this did you no no i'd no, never met him before playing him no um what was that final match like then 36 holes isn't it and you beat him two and one yeah yeah i mean we had a we had a really good match i was kind of i was up for a lot of it but bob is Everyone listening will know that is obviously a great player and kept coming at me the whole way through the match. And we had, yeah, we just had a great match. And since then, we've been we've been good friends, wishing each other well all the time. And yeah, it was just it was great fun and couldn't have had a final with a better guy. Really, can you believe where he's he's gone on to? Like last season, winning over two million euros on the European tour, winning the race, uh, sorry, the Rookie of the Year accolade. Yeah, definitely. He's he's got a solid all round game, and it's he's just very repeatable. Hits the same shot most of the time. He's got a good short game. His putting when he gets going is incredible. So he's he's just got the full package really, and he knows how good he is as well. So it's he's got a great combination, and it's no surprise that he's been playing well. And it'll be no surprise if he continues to play well either. Yeah, so that victory got you into three majors, first of which was the 2016 Open at Troon, your first major as an yeah. amateur, 
Uh, what was that like? At the age of 21, listen to this, you were four under after 10 holes and lead in the open. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it, that was a pretty cool morning, to be fair. We, yeah, just kind of everything fell into place. I was pretty nervous on the first tee. Obviously, not having much time to prepare for it. It's only a couple of weeks after you win the amateur that you, you play the open. So it's, we went up there the week after I won the am and played a practice round and got a feel for the place. And yeah, it's just a, a nice golf course. It's tough, not as easy as Mickelson and Stenson made it look, but it's, it's just a great golf course. And yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Unfortunately, didn't kind of keep it going throughout, but yeah, it's just a, a brilliant experience and I'm looking forward to playing more open championships in the future. Yeah. So from your four under through 10, had a bit of a nightmare on the back nine to finish seven over. Um, what, what happened on that back nine? Um, a lot of things that I wasn't really used to. Um, on the 11th, Deval hit a couple of balls that we had to look for. Sandy hit one that we had to look for. And then at the end of the 11th, we got put on the clock and I've never been put on the clock before. So just started rushing, not taking my time, hitting a few loose shots and kind of just spiraled out of control from there, really. So it's, it's just one of those things that's unfortunate. Probably if I didn't get put on the clock, I could have kept it. Maybe you wouldn't have shot four under, but I would have kept the kind of rhythm going and stuff. So it's, it's just one of those things you just got to learn from really and know that I'm not a slow player and, when I am on the clock, I just carry on doing what I always do, and I'm well within my time allowance. So it's it was just a mistake mentally, really. What were uh, David Deval and Sandy Lyle like? They're really nice, to be fair. Uh, Deval was talking all the way around, and yeah, encouraging. To be fair, after I think the fourteenth one at the par three, he said to me like, "You don't need to be rushing. You're well within the time. Just." kind of take it easy a bit and it settled me down a little bit but kind of the damage was done really yeah um justin rose your fellow hampshire guy um had a lot of praise for you after that round as well did you hear that at the time yeah yeah i justin's been a hero of mine since well for quite a while so it's, it was nice to hear his comments and i've played a couple of practice rounds with him and he's just a a real nice guy, happy to support people and, yeah, just a genuine, exactly how he comes across. Yeah, so what did you learn from that week? Was it, were you disappointed or was it just an incredible experience? Um, Yeah, disappointed. It, I knew that I have a game that can compete on, on Lincoln's courses, obviously, from winning the AM and I was disappointed I didn't get to play all four rounds, but it was it was a great experience and I I learned a lot from it, obviously taking away about the being on the clock and things like that and how to deal with situations like that. And I feel like where I am now in my career I'd be able to better better deal with that situation. Oh good. So winning the game also got you into Augusta for the first time in twenty seventeen. Talk to me about that. Yeah, that that's uh that's the one I was looking forward to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I bet. I went out there a little bit early, stayed with a friend of mine who's in the US military, put me up in Georgia. So I had a week or so practicing at his club um, and getting myself ready, really. Uh, Larry Mize practices there. So I got to chat to him a bit about golf course and how to kind of go about the practice rounds. Um, and then I played the Georgia Cup the week before the Masters, which I won against Curtis Luck. Um, he obviously won the USM and the Asia Pacific. Um, and then, yeah, got to Augusta, played five or six practice rounds with some decent players that were able to give me some advice around there. And the whole place is just incredible. There's not a blade of grass out of place. It's like better than you would ever imagine, really. Yeah, so was it what you expected it to be? Or They always say that the hills are so much more pronounced than they look on the telly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one. It is hilly, but when you're playing it, you kind of, most of the time you walk downhill rather than uphill. There's only a couple of holes you walk up. Right. But if you're, if you're spectating, it's, it's really hilly because you're kind of walking up and down all the hills to get to different 
viewing points and things like that. But it's it's just whatever you think it's going to be, it, it's better. It's <laughs> one of those places. Yeah. So um, can you describe how difficult the golf course is and those greens? Um, I actually think if, if you're playing properly and you hit it in the right spots, the golf course isn't that tricky. It's <clears throat> it's just when you get out of position, it's brutal. I mean, if you get the wrong side of the fairway to the wrong pin, you can't get at them, and then you're you're hitting it to spots where you can't putt close and things like that. So I think that's why you see generally the guys who are playing well there are guys that have played there 10, 15 times, and obviously Tiger's always up there. They just know where they need to be hitting it to to play well. And in terms of the greens, again, it, it, if you're in the right spots, they're not that tricky to putt on. It's just if you're in the wrong spots, you're going to throw in a lot of free putts and maybe worse than that because they are quick. Can you sort of focus on your golf whilst you're there for the first time? Or is it all a little bit overwhelming? Um, probably the first, well, the first day I played it, I have, I, I doubt I made any notes. I was just walking around taking pictures for myself and enjoying it. It's one of those courses that obviously everyone wants to go and play. And I just went out there and played like it was a social round of golf and just went out and enjoyed it really. Oh, brilliant. Were you nervous during the tournament? Yes and no, I guess it, I was nervous when they called my name out on the first tee, but it was, it, you've got so much time to prepare for playing that. Obviously I didn't really play from October until January. We were in Australia with England and then probably had three months off before teeing up at the Masters, which obviously isn't ideal, but there's just nothing else that I could play in really. Um, so I had plenty of time to prepare for that first tee shot and I kind of felt quite comfortable hitting it. So, the nerves really only came when I had a bit of a dodgy start and tried to push a bit too hard, really. But it it was just one of those. It, I was just happy to be there and enjoying everything about it. And the same as the Open, I, I'm looking forward to playing it again. Yeah, so then you went on to the US Open at Erin Hills. Yeah. Uh, what, what was that like? <laughs> so that, this was your, your third major that you qualified via the amateur. Um, yeah. Did you feel pressure because that was kind of your last major that, that you had on your schedule? Um, no, not really. Because it's, I think anyone who's trying to make it as a professional golfer, you, you're hoping you're going to be playing four majors a year. So it wasn't really pressure because I didn't, I knew I was going to play more majors after that. So just kind of going in there and trying to use all of the things I'd learned from everything else and put it into place and to be fair I probably played the best I did out of any of the the majors I played at Erin Hills I just didn't really hold as much as I normally do and uh, well generally I just didn't I don't think I hit it far enough around Erin Hills to be able to compete in a way so it's I played as good as I could have played that week but I learned a lot from it and I've put a lot of things in place to better prepare myself for playing golf courses that are set up that way and that long um but the main thing is from that trip i met dana fry who's the guy who designed aaron hills and i've been over to stay at his place in florida for a few times and play at a course that he's designed out there and it, it's been good for keeping the game in shape in the winter so I've, I've got that out of it if nothing else so then you, you had the walker cup in 2017 this was at la golf club was it yeah, LA Country Club. Yeah, that's a, a very private country club. What was it like playing there? Um, very much like Augusta. It's yeah, like you can't you can take pictures, but you can't post them on social media and things like that. It's it's very exclusive. But <clears throat> once you're in there, it's a it's a really friendly golf course um, and club. And the the Walker Cup was a goal of mine for probably four years because Neil Raymond who's from the same golf club as me played it and since from when he played it it was something that I wanted to kind of get in on the action of really and I knew that that obviously the the one in 2015 was probably unachievable so 
17 at LA was a big goal of mine and something I'm very proud to have been able to play in. Yeah, so GB and I lost 19-7 there, but you actually won two and a half points from four matches. So you clearly playing great golf that week, but it didn't help the team. What was that like? Well, it did Um, help the team. (laughs) Sorry, didn't phrase that very well, but... <laughs> it was it was a tough week really. It was like a lot of us were, were playing good golf and some people just didn't have it that week and it was it was a shame but I think as history shows it's it's pretty much whoever's playing at home wins the Walker Cup almost every year for twenty years or something like that. So it's it's a tall task to go over to the States and win and so vice versa for them. Um I played I played really nicely that week and was happy with my performances and could have got a couple more points out of it if it wasn't for a couple of holes but that's golf and again you you meet a lot of contacts and a lot of great guys that you're going to hopefully be playing against for the rest of your career. Yeah, so you have you got a lot of friends that are on that team. I know the likes of Robert McIntyre were playing on it, Alfie Plant, Jackson Bra who you played a couple of matches with yeah I mean all of us on that Walker Cup team were, were good friends because we played obviously all stuff with our national teams and being away at big amateur events and stuff like that so we we were all really close and still stay in touch and to be fair stay with each other at events if if we can and things like that so it's yeah it's a good it's a good community to be a part of really and then the American team had the likes of Cameron Champ Colin Morikawa Maverick McNeely, um, did you interact with them much? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, during the week it was kind of game face time, really. So we didn't we didn't mix with them too much. But obviously, we stayed in the same hotel, so we saw them in the evenings and things. And again, a lot of us are, are good friends with them, and we've played other tournaments with them as well. So it's it's just a a real a real great week, really. So after that, you then turned pro, didn't you? Yeah, two weeks after Walker Cup. Was that always in the pipeline? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd set my sights on turning pro straight after that Walker Cup. Um, as long as I achieved that. If I didn't achieve the team, I would have turned pro earlier. But I felt pretty comfortable that I was going to make that team and then, yeah, make the step into the pro game after that. And did you have invites lined up? Um. No, I had nothing, to be fair. I, I kind of done it all myself. Um, sent emails to the tour to try and get some invites. Um, I got, I think, one challenge tour and a couple of main tour. One of them, the Daniel Links Championship. Um, right. Which was a great tournament to play in. So I played a few of them and then went to tour school and got a, a partial challenge tour category. What was that like, your first season on the challenge tour? It was tricky, really. I, I got injured pretty early on in the season. Um, I had a wrist injury that I couldn't kind of figure out what was going on. So I kept playing through it and just wasn't playing great. And um, obviously ended up qualifying for a US Open somehow. And then after that, kind of took my medicine and got it looked at and took their advice. And it pretty much wrote off the rest of the season, to be fair. And went from there well so you you just I guess can't really imagine getting injured can you if that was something that had never really happened to you yeah no nothing I'd never had anything like any injuries like that that had stopped me playing I've had little niggles like everyone has um just from sleeping funny and things like that so to start with I thought maybe I'd slept on my on my hand and just stretched it or something like that but it, it just wouldn't go away so I mean I was actually going to see a specialist before the US Open qualifying um, and then I qualified for it and thought well I'll, I'll go play that and then I'll see him when I get back so that's kind of how it went. All right. so yeah you came through at Walton Heath made it to Shinnecock Hills and shot 92 in the first round um, got a lot of criticism from that I know on social media what was that like? Was that down to your wrist? And then what was it like seeing the criticisms? It was, well, it was a mixture of a lot of things, really. Um, I hadn't been playing great as it was. 
um, potentially because of the risk, but there's no way to tell if that is the case. But I mean, the the fact that I was in for for most of the qualifying, I wasn't actually going to play the qualifying, um, and then got through and yeah, just gave it my best shot. And I'm not one to quit, so it, it was not going my way. But I just kept plugging away and trying to claw shots back if I could, but I couldn't. And the criticism, it's just one of those things. We live in a world now where people can sit at home and criticise what you're doing and there's no consequences to it. So it's just one of those things you kind of have to live with now, unfortunately. No, I can't imagine playing Shinnecock Hills during the US Open when you don't quite have your game is, is very easy. Uh, no, it's definitely not. And having waist high rough as well, when you get in it and you, your hands hurt and you can't really hit it hard enough to get it out, it's, it's not a pleasant experience. But you shot 75 the next day. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I, played better. I played better the second day, but it was, it was just a weird day. Like, I got to the the temp tea, I was starting on 10, and like the grandstand was, was packed. I guess just to see if I'd do the same thing again. So, but it was just a weird feeling. Like for the first three or four holes, we had loads of people watching, hoping that I hoping that I'd implode again or whatever. And I was playing nicely, and as the round went on, they disappeared. So, I guess that that shut them up a little bit. And it's well, just, just a, it's just a tough situation that you just have to deal with, I guess. Yeah, so you've played in four majors now. You're yet to make a cut, uh, but what have you learned yeah. from those four majors? Um, I think just that you, you need to have your game in in real good shape to compete in, at those levels. I think the 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 big thing is that you've got to remember that the guys you're playing against are top fifty, top hundred in the world um, in those majors, and only sixty five, sixty four make the cut. So the chances are they're going to be the guys that are making the cut and you've got to have a pretty good couple of days to make it. So I think mean, you just got to work hard, try and move up the world rankings and just keep improving, really. The the guys at the top of the game just don't make many mistakes and if they do, they're not as bad kind of thing. So I've just been working on being more consistent. In 2017 at Erin Hills, you said that was the best you played. Was that out of all four? Yeah. Definitely, yeah. I had, I played the Memorial the week before and missed the cut by one, which was frustrating. And then played really nicely at Erin Hills. So I had a, I felt really good about where my game was during those two weeks and played nicely. And it kind of goes with what I'm saying that at that point I played probably good enough to win amateur tournaments and things like that. But you're playing against the top 50 guys in the world. They wipe the floor with elite amateurs most weeks, so it's it's just a tricky, it's a tricky thing to do to make the cut in a major as an am. And guys that have done it are, are playing real nice golf that week. Yeah, what was your highest amateur ranking? Uh, I think I got to third or fourth. Right. So were you disappointed in those majors where you were an amateur not to win the silver medal at the Open? win the the silver cup at the masters uh yeah definitely they were they were big goals for me and i felt like i was good enough to do that um but they're just think you have to be playing well that week and it's it's the same you can't it's the same at every level you can't play well every week and unfortunately i didn't have my, my best game on the weeks that i needed it right so after shinnecock um was that where you you sorted your wrist out um, yeah, so I came back and I, I got it looked at by a specialist and they advised to give it basically six to eight weeks of doing nothing, really, and ice it, um, anti-inflammatories, and kind of see how it goes from there. And I had nerve testings, um, the MRIs and things like that to get everything checked. And there was nothing too serious there, apart from I, I had two inflamed tendons run into my thumb which is where I was getting the pain. So they said, if I give it kind of six weeks, see if it eases off. If it doesn't, then I would have to obviously have it cut open and 
they'd go in and have a look. So fortunately, after the six weeks, it, it eased off enough where I could kind of start doing little things of it, chipping, um, trying to build up some strength again. And yeah, so I, luckily I didn't have to have surgery, which is a good thing. And then after that, you qualified through Q School to get your 2019 European Tour card. A bit like the amateur championship in 16, Q School, an absolute slog. Um, what do you remember about that week? Yeah, it's just awesome, really. And it was, again, like the amateur championship, I kind of, I felt like I had my game in a good place again and I had good control over the ball flight, could hit the shots I needed to hit. Um, and I had a, I think it was the third round, I got nine under, which was uh, one of the best rounds I've played. I mean, it was it was an easy nine under that could have been 10, 11, 12 kind of thing. It was, I just played real solid. And from that point on, it was kind of just cruise control. Just give myself chances all the way through and go from there. Wow. So you shot 92 in June and then a few months later, you shot an easy nine under. Yeah. Yeah, I think That's it was 62. Incredible. 30 shots. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That, so even in an elite golfer like you, that you see those massive discrepancies in scores. Yeah, it's it's just a weird game. It, yeah, it is. No it? other way to put it. it, it it's, I mean, it, it's day to day. Like one day you go out and you just have 15, 20 foot putts, and the next day you go out and you can't hold anything. It's just, I don't know what it is, but that's what draws you back constantly. Yeah, so 2019, you've got your card on the European Tour last season. Uh, I think you also played Challenge Tour as well but missed 19 of 23 cuts. Meanwhile, yeah. Robert McIntyre, who you beat in the final three, four years ago, earned over 2 million euros. Like, how does yeah. that work? Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just one of those things. I mean, I, try, I don't compare myself to what other people are doing. So it's, I'm just trying to improve my own game. And like I say, Rob's a great player. I like to think I'm a great player. So he's reached that that level earlier than I have um I've just got to keep working and believe that I'm going to get there what do you put that season down to just learning was it mental stuff I did read as well that you may have had the driver yips uh yeah I've since the US Open really I struggled off the tee and it's been a mental battle and it kind of just it, each time I played it got worse and there was technical changes I needed to make in my swing to try and counteract it but it I couldn't do it while I was playing so it was it was just getting harder and harder to play and like some weeks I had control over it kind of um but yeah it's just a, a battle mentally off the tee and I've got on top of that now and I feel good off the tee I've had two wins this year so it's I feel like my game's in a in a better place and I'm in a better place mentally as well on and off the course so it's yeah it's a shame we're not playing really but it, everything last year is a learning process and hopefully something that I can use to build on and kind of make my own path in a career because it's uh, Rosie had a tough start to his pro career as well and it hasn't stopped him from winning majors getting to world number one and gold medals and things like that so I've just got to find a way to make it work yeah, that must be very difficult in your rookie season. You obviously want to play as much golf as possible. Week to week, you're travelling, but you perhaps your game needs a week off. You need a week at home to practice, but you just can't really do that, can you? No, and the other thing is, if you're from, well, for me as well, is I um, wasn't playing well, don't have the finances to keep not playing well and need to see my coach, but you can't fly your coach out for free. So you've got to try and find ways to, to do it. And it, it's not easy. It's not as easy as some people think it is. If you're, if you're playing well, it's a, it's a great place to be. You can, you can afford to do everything that you need to do to keep playing well. But if you're, if you're not, it, it, it's tough. Yeah. So how is that with finances? Cause I guess you're paying a lot of money for a caddy every week as well. You're, you're flying yourself, your clubs each week as well. Yeah, it's it's a lot of money. Um, Are you I paying mean, for the hotels? 
Yeah, everything. Everything. I would say on probably on average last year for me doing it kind of as cheap as I could do it. You you were doing well if you spent less than sixteen hundred quid a week to play. Yeah, so it's not that glitzy glamour lifestyle perhaps that you thought it might have been or some people might think it is. Yeah, I mean I knew it wasn't gonna be easy to start with. Um but yeah, a lot of people think you're flying you're flying first class, you're not paying for your hotels and you're earning a million quid a week. <laughs> but that's not how it works. There's a lot of guys out there that aren't doing that. So it's yeah, it's tricky. You've got to try and find ways to, to keep playing. So so you missed nineteen cuts, does that mean that you've had to pay a caddy nineteen times without earning uh, any money? Yeah. Well, that is very tough. But I guess that's where the sponsors come in who have obviously been very helpful. I know you've got Mizuno on board at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've got a really good team. Last year I didn't have I didn't have too much. Octagon done a done a real good job of getting me a couple of things in place that helped me massively to keep playing. My golf club helped me out. Um but yeah, this year I'm in a I'm in a better place. I've like I say got Mizuno on board and a couple of local companies have got in touch. So it's yeah, I feel in a better place to kind of attack the season when, if we have one. Yeah, that must be devastating for you because this could potentially be one of your best years. Yeah, I'm, it's the same every year. I just I just want to keep playing, but it's, there's not a lot you can really do about it. you just got to sit and wait and, and see what happens, really. And there's more important things in the world at the moment than playing golf. Yeah, of course. Looking at like a, a breakout season or rising to the top, I'm sorry to keep linking to McIntyre, but if you you obviously have the ability of him, but have you seen players like Jordan Smith, Matt Wallace, um, even Sammy Valamakin recently coming from those lower tours right to the top? Does that give you confidence that you'll have a breakout season? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's guys every year that uh, that are doing it and. Um, like last year, Matty Jordan on Challenge Tour, loads of guys do it every year. So there's no reason why I can't do that. And yeah, just it's all about just keep working hard and finding a way that you can play consistently week in, week out. Because it's it's a long season on Challenge Tour and Main Tour, and you've got to play a lot of good golf on a lot of weeks. Yeah, that, that's the great thing about golf. I guess it it literally only takes one week, doesn't it? to completely change your life yeah yeah definitely i mean like what sammy did the other week he's he's won and got his two or three year exemption on the tour so it's you know you've you've got somewhere to play golf for quite a while if you can get that win right so i've got just a few random questions to ask you first one very open one uh is the life of a professional golfer what you expected it to be uh yeah (laughs) very up and down <laughs> what do you love most about your job um i like the travel you, you see 20 different countries a year different places in the country and a lot of times places that you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily go on holiday so it's that's the thing i i really enjoy about it what are your favorite places you've been to um augusta's number one <laughs> um <laughs> And then, I, I mean, I really liked Oman, to be fair. Oman was like a really beautiful place. The golf course is incredible and great settings. Um, and then we played well teams in Mexico at Cobra, and that was incredible as well. Do you allow yourself a, a day or two to do a bit of tourism, or is it all just golf, golf, golf? Um, I've got better at it the last kind of eight to ten months, I guess. Like um maybe a wednesday when there's a program going on obviously i'm not playing kind of get a few hours working and then go out and see see a couple of things um but it i mean like last year most of the year it was tricky because i wasn't playing well and kind of wanted to just figure out how to hit a golf ball properly so it's you end up spending hours at the golf club and it's probably not productive to do that have you ever been starstruck whilst playing in a golf <laughs> tournament with a competitor uh yeah, 
for the US Open in 2018, I met Tiger. So, and kind of had no words coming out of my mouth. But was, <laughs> Where did yeah, you meet him? That's the most. Um, on the practice day on the Wednesday, everyone else had left, and I was on the range because it was raining, and I was just on the range, and he came on the range. So, I went up and asked him for a picture, and kind of didn't know what else to say. So, it's, I've got a, a big canvas picture hanging in the stairway, which is pretty cool. No. Nice. So was it a very short encounter? Yeah. Yeah. Short for two reasons. One, because I didn't know what to say. And two, because he probably didn't want to talk to me. But it was, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was it was great. And it was nice to kind of meet him and have like when there was no one there, I guess. So I could just yeah. kind of get the picture done and he could go about and do his do his stuff. Uh, is there one player that you can think of that you played with and you just thought like, Wow, you're good. Uh, Justin Rose, like his his control of ball flight and trajectory and things like that. I played him at Troon in the practice round and like in crosswinds and things like that. The ball just doesn't move. He's hitting it. He can hit any shot he wants. It was just really impressive. Uh, who are your best mates on tour? Uh, ooh, tricky one. <laughs> last year I spent a lot of time with um, Ollie Wilson and Richie McAvoy um, I got quite close to both of them so I guess those two and then a guy I practice with a lot Billy McKenzie I'm really close friends with him Have you learnt quite a bit from Ollie Wilson obviously a very experienced player who had a great year last year Yeah, yeah and he gave me a lot of advice obviously when I was struggling off the tee, that's something he's experienced as well. So he, he gave me a few things that kind of worked for him that I've used, and it, it's definitely helped. And it's good like to have someone like that that has been through a similar situation so that you know kind of like you're not the only one, I guess. Yeah. Uh, right, I think I know your answer to this. What's your favourite golf course that you've played? <laughs> Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> a close second is Mirfield Village where the memorial is yeah I bet that's incredible as well um, what's your favourite course in Hampshire favourite course in Hampshire I have to say Liphook yeah the, that's the a good one the Roy's incredible there and your favourite course in England uh, favourite course in England Royal Sink Ports nice uh, have you ever had a hole in one yeah, I've only had one, which was at the, on the 12th hole at Meon Valley. What's your lowest round? Uh, I've shot 60 at Corehampton, which is wow. 11 under. Really? Uh, I bet you're annoyed you didn't get 59 that day. Yes, yeah, especially as I made a double. <laughs> really? Yeah. 11 under with a double? Yeah, I made a double on the 15th. <laughs> so Who are you I've playing with? Frustrated. Um, I played with a guy who does a bit of work in the shop. He he needed someone to mark his card in the middle, so I went out and marked his card. <laughs> uh, um, what would your advice be for young amateurs hopeful of reaching the European Tour? Um, just keep working hard, and I would say get your short game as as sharp as you can, really, because it that's kind of what saves you if you're not quite on your game and. The best players in the world have the best short games, so it's it's a that would be a real good thing to put some focus in. Yeah, and on that, I I remember you said about Aaron Hills that you didn't think that you hit the ball far enough. Yeah. Do you think power is more important now, and have you worked specifically on hitting it further? Um. Yeah, power's a huge part of the game now. Golf course is getting longer, and um. You, I mean, if you look at the, the driving stats, the top 10 drivers of the ball in the world are pretty much the top 10 ranked players in the world. So it's, there's a, a pretty good correlation for it. Um, and for me, I've, I've worked hard on kind of building my strength and my speed up. And I'm hitting it quite a bit further than I was in 2017, which is a, a big bonus. Um, I'm not that big in stature, so it's it's hard to generate loads of clubhead speeds. And there's a lot of guys of different builds and statures that swing it 
quick and hit it far. So it's it's a tricky one. Um, there are some tests that the ETPI and European Tour do that can help kind of see where you need to improve to get quicker and hit it further. And that's kind of what I've been working on. Nice. Right. What is the best shot you've hit in your career? Um, probably at the, the Walker Cup on the second day in the foursomes, I hit a five iron in from about 210 yards to 15 foot. Um, and that sealed us the match on that second day. So that's definitely off the top of my head. That's probably the best shot I've ever hit. Nice. Um, and then what's the proudest moment of your career so far? Um, probably the, the way I dealt with the US Open, I guess. Really? Yeah. In what I think way? A lot, of people wouldn't, a lot of people probably wouldn't have turned up for the second day. So that's something I'm, I'm proud of. Um, what, I, I was going to ask what your goals for the year are, but I guess what are your goals for the next couple of years? Basically to get back on the European tour and keep my card, just compete. Obviously, I want to win, but I don't think it's a sensible thing to set goals to win. So it's, for me, it's to get, on the, get back on the European tour and keep my card and be in contention a lot of times. Oh, nice. Good luck with that. Scott, I think that's it. Thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate your honesty and just some great insight there talking about your career. That's okay. I think a lot of our listeners will um, be wishing you luck in the future, definitely. Yeah, thank you very much.